Permanence. The state or quality of lasting or remaining unchanged indefinitely. As human beings, we have a sense that some things will last forever. We even have a word for it. Permanence. However, we all know that nothing lasts forever. So why do we constantly want to think that things do? Why do we long for it? Think about the questions of permanence as Brian and I discuss on this episode of Curiosity Continuum. Thank you for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. For those of you tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends who want to share conversations with you that explore, examine, and reframe common, practical topics that spark your curiosity, help you integrate information, and enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world. I want to tell you there's a few places where you can find us. You can go to www.curiositycontinuum.com. From there, you can listen to us. You can find us on all of our socials, and you can find us on all of the podcast services and areas that we post, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Today's episode is about permanence and kind of exploring the topic. You know, I think when we look at that, we're trying to find things in life that say, you know, is this permanent? Is What is not permanent? And I think things that you thought were permanent may not be, be permanent. I think one of the things that is the power of nostalgia is that it draws something from the past and kind of brings it to the present. As human beings, we are we're temporal beings and we can only live right now. We can't you know, see forward into the future as much as uh, science fiction makes that really kind of cool to go see. <laughs> it would be but, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it, uh, get a DeLorean and we're going to fly off into the future and come back again. But for all of us normal people who don't live in movie land, we live now. And when we see something from the past and it brings something to the future, we say, hey, this had a little bit more permanence. Maybe it was a ge- uh, a generation or an age before me. I think that's one of the reasons why we're so fascinated when there's archaeological finds or something else. Yeah, old things to help us. Yeah. Old things to help us think of like, man, like this. This is a lasting thing. I also think that why we're we're constantly thinking about older things and why we like cherish something that's older is that it helps us to frame the past in a way that we can kind of like see where we are today. That the past, those people weren't so much different than us. You know, like they may have, you know, ceramic bowls. And if you were looking at way back, you know, they're, they're, they're unearthing like, oh, they had pots and, you know, they cooked and they cleaned. And I'm sure they did the same similar stuff we do. They just didn't have all the technological advances that we have today. And I think that uh, uh, is the same thing over civilizations, too, that weren't necessarily like, you know, for us uh, having grown up in the in the United States and think about other cultures and things like that. I mean, people had the same kinds of things, you know. I have to believe that every middle school, you know, person <laughs> went through things going like, oh my gosh, you know, these are things that, you know, I don't know what to do with all these uh, changes happening inside me. And that's happened since since the dawn of humanity. So I don't think that that's anything that's going to go away anytime soon. You know, we think about ideas and the structure of societies. The ideas of those societies can live on even if the society itself has has passed away or kind of uh, sunsetted into that point in history these ideas though can live on not all ideas are created equal and i think the thing about that is that those ideas that do have more permanence seem to kind of persist within within culture and within you know human history itself it's kind of the idea of uh, the phoenix maybe rising again you know like is this idea that was there is it 
idea is it completely gone? Should we just throw it away? Is it something we need to look at now? I think those are things that people are always constantly looking at again and again. Yes. I mean, people are looking at those again and again. It is the ideas of societies, you know, like even societies, for example, aren't permanent. I mean, look at the Roman Empire. You know, they they fell and went away and the Greeks, the, the powerful, the, the, how powerful they were, the Phoenicians. You want to go, you keep going back in time and you see all these societies that they rise and they fall. But the ideas live on in some way, form, idea of freedom or personal liberty or things like that, for example, like how the United States was pretty much founded on these individual freedoms for the for us as individuals, but then as also as a group. And so we can see that through iteration, that things are being reiterated again and again, that those ideas are really permanent in a way that they are always in our con- collective consciousness. The expression may change a little bit, especially too, uh, depending on... If you live in a country and there's a different governmental system or the way that you are used to doing your life, you know, there's the archetypal ideas, things like justice and truth, and those things have meaning because people look for that, you know, like, well, the sense of justice is like, well, why does this feel injustice? Because there's something in a human being that knows, like, this is an idea that is built into us that we want to understand, we want to feel like it is, like the world is just. You know, right. we want to feel that like or there's justice that will come when there's an unjust thing. But even understanding that, that's where people kind of back up and say, so why do I even have this sense of justice and injustice in the first place? Those are things where throughout societies, and you can look back now as human beings say like, hey, here was maybe a civilization. This is where they were just. Here's where they were unjust. And I think that you're going to find similar themes in a lot of it. But I think you're also going to see like, well, this is how it expressed itself at the time. Yeah, so to get back to this kind of sense of, you know, preservation of, of, of a society and the idea of permanence, that these structures and, you know, books and the societies, obviously the, these aren't permanent, but their ideas are permanent. And I think that some people feel that through maybe procreation that you kind of have a sense of immortality in you. What do you think about that, Brian? I think for when I became a dad, I didn't as much think about prior being, you know, because usually people have children in their younger years, despite biological constraints and things. I wasn't as thinking as much about legacy. I wasn't thinking as much about the world that my children grew up in because I didn't have children. And sometimes you have those those perceptions. But when you actually, when I actually became a dad, and now that as my children are going through the ages they are, I think very differently about it. Not only just by uh, the world they live in, but then, you know, what is my contribution to that because if you really think about it i can remember my grandparents i have no memory of great grandparents because none of them were around when i was old enough to remember right. or they may have passed off the earth before that and I, and my mom will show me pictures of and said she'll say oh this was great grandpa so and so this is great grandma whoever and this is kind of who they were and what their life was like and i have no context whatsoever about who they are yeah, I, I like the stories. I it's I can appreciate it being tied to that, but I go, you know, is my is my influence is my impact on my children or on the generation only for two generations? And you really start to think about that. Go so, if that's the case, you, I guess you go two different ways. One is, does my life matter in the first place? And you can navel gaze for a long yes, time. Exactly. Well, the, answer, <laughs> well, the answer is your life does matter. But the other thing is like, what are the things that we're doing? right now that matter 
that's going to actually persist and carry on. Because the one thing for sure for all of us is that none of us, as far as our life, is permanent. We are always constantly changing. It will end in death at some point for all of us. Right. And everybody, you know, you always want it to be later. You always are thinking, look. <laughs> always yeah, later. Always later. You know, you're always thinking, you know what? I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that later. Or I'm going to make that impact next week. But really, I think that, and the real takeaway, I think, from this is, we, yeah, like Brian said, what are we doing in our lives on a daily basis, on a continual basis, that talks about, you know, like, what are we doing to not just be remembered, but what are we doing to make a positive contribution to society? I've always said, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in life, who you are, who, you know, who, like, what job you do. But it matters if you make a positive contribution to those around you and, and the society in which you live in. And I really do believe that that matters. It's definitely an attitude of giving rather than taking. Josh, you probably remember in, in growing up where I always liked skulls, much to my mom's chagrin. Yep. <laughs> you know, she never liked the fact that I like skulls. I'm like, well, we all have a skull, mom. And she's like, yeah, no. but not on the outside. You know, of our, you know. <laughs> not on the outside. <laughs> it's on the inside. You know, keep that on the inside of your body, Brian. <laughs> you know, um, I actually at one point was thinking about being a, a neurosurgeon just because. I don't know. I, that was something that maybe had to do with a skull tangentially or something like that. I don't know. I do know I always love the Goonies uh, logo just because it always has a skull in it. But it was never a morbid thing for me. It wasn't something that I was like, ooh, death, this is awesome and wonderful. I never went there with it. But it was more like I would look at it, you know, and like you said, it, the skull is supposed to be on the inside of a person, not on the outside. So when you see that, there's like a reflection that happens. And only in my adult life, did I learned the term, it's called memento mori. It basically is a Latin term that means that remember that you will die, but not in like the negative way of like, you're going to die right now. You know, it wasn't that. It's like, think about what you're doing today. Is this something that is actually going to, something that you want kind of in the arc of your life? You know, you don't know when your life is going to end. Right. But you do know that it will at some point. Are you doing those things now? I noticed when, when, Josh, I know like you've had a, a friend recently where they, uh, you know, you had some friends that passed of, of cancer. You've had other uh, friends who have been dealing with health issues as I have too in my own life. It, it's interesting to me always when you have those like, like mortal experiences that you really begin to think about the priorities in your own life. Absolutely. And you really start to think about your own mortality and that you will eventually die. And so... And I know when you're younger, you don't think about it. I mean, we used to run through, you know, run across the road as fast as you could run and dodge traffic like you wouldn't <laughs> believe, much to my parents' uh, chagrin. Like if they would have known we did that kind of stuff, you know, going across the busy highway, you know, by our house. But you don't think about death. You don't think about getting hurt. You don't think about that kind of stuff. You don't think about an illness or you don't think about something that comes and unexpectedly takes you, a car accident or a plane crash or you know, heaven forbid that there's, you know, uh, you know, a mass murder or something, you know, I mean, you don't think about that kind of stuff. So, and that's why I, you know, and I believe, and I know Brian does, and I, I think a lot of people believe it, but they're not doing it. And that is living for living your life every day, really like it could be your last day and not to be not in a morbid sense at all, but in a sense that you should, you know, the idea of carpe diem seize the day. Um, that really comes about because every day is special. And when you wake up in the morning, you have to realize that, you know what? I got to get up and do something. 
I can't just go always through the motions of life. There's a, a precious commodity of time, and we're all given it equally, regardless of whether how poor or rich you are. There's no, you know, the, the term like, well, I bought my time back, you know, if you had the resources to do it. But really what it's doing is that you're shifting your focus and attention on what you you would like it to be. You know, you're saying like that always implies that you're doing something that you wish you weren't doing as much as the other thing. You know, sometimes it's more recreation or more time with your family and things like that. But those things really start to take on a different light if you always say like, hey, this is a limited resource. I know um, Josh and I both grew up playing, you know, like original Nintendo and Atari and things like that. And, you know, if it really is true that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert or something, you know, we are really <laughs> uh, professional at Super Mario <laughs> Brothers and Legend of Zelda and all those yeah, other we, things. We're know. experts. <laughs> I can't, I haven't quite found a way to apply that into my uh, professional life. Like, hey, uh, what are you an expert at? I'm really a professional at Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> if I don't work for Nintendo, so it's, you know, maybe I just chose the wrong companies to go search for. But those type of things too, I think you go, this is something that, you know, this is something I enjoy. This is something that is useful. This is something that whatever. It doesn't mean that you should always work. It doesn't mean you should always just have leisure time. But what it should be do is something is that you're in a constantly circumspect evaluation mode to go, is this something that is really going to be more of a permanent contribution to my, in, in my life? And is it going to affect lives outside of me? Because some lives will come and go. And unfortunately, there's maybe not something that you remember from that person and it's not maybe it's because of your relational closeness, but sometimes too people will let uh, let life just kind of happen to them versus like actually engaging in the process of life and living because that's a very different thing just to exist and then actually live. Exactly, and you know if you take away anything, I would just say you know make sure that you you are living your your life in a way that you would be not only proud of, but that you can look back. People can look back on it and say you know he did something or she did something or they did something worthwhile. I don't even care if it's, you know, that you're, I just, you know, you're a good person and that was what you did. That's worthwhile. I always say that, um, when I die, I really want people. The one thing I want people to remember about me is I want them to say, you know what? I, I like Josh. He was a good person. If I can get that through to people that I hope that I am a good person, that I try to live my life like that. I believe that I've, I've accomplished something positive i think w what that really touches on josh is the, the fact that you as a person want to be remembered more and more than the things you did or the things that you said because at the core of it like there's a person that has moved through their life and their life has affected your life in a, in a way you know i think there's a lot of different institutions and edifices and all the things around the world where it, it would stand as a testament to somebody like what they accomplished what a group of people accomplished those things sometimes are not the positive thing. Once you start to look at it, this is the type of person they were. And I think the biggest thing here is focusing on being the best person you can be. Just put a comma in the conversation and just kind of challenge people. Um, what are some of the ways that you deal with your own mortality? I mean, do you understand, like, do you, are you thinking about it or do you, are you just kind of coasting through life, letting things happen and you're reacting to everything? I think the other thing too, to keep in mind is, uh, you know, Living your best life doesn't mean that it's, uh, it, it shouldn't mean it only serves you the best. Right. It means that you have served people well, that you have loved people well. That's the measure of it. It's, uh, it's not who has the biggest pile of stuff at the end because the stuff can't go with you when you die. But it's really more of the people that you have influenced and touched well.
So until next time, I think this is a good place to sign off. This is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum. Thank you.